Cannabis, Mary Jane Dacha. Nsango, weed, the ancient plant of emperors and peasants alike. This wonder of nature is trending in various spaces, boldly claiming its place as a commodity with noting New Frontier Data Analysis found that the 2018 global market value of combined legal and illicit cannabis markets could be worth 344.4 billion US dollars. And of 263 million annual cannabis consumers worldwide, 83 million, and that's 32%, live in Africa. In 2018, Africa's combined illicit and legal markets reached 37.3 billion dollars. Countries like Canada and the Netherlands adopted a legal framework for medicinal cultivation and trade as early as the 90s and unlocked a model for this fairly new legal industry. With the trove of opportunities and potential for economic impact, Southern African countries are moving ahead with plans to marry their legal reforms with the opportunity that a regulated medicinal and maybe in the future a recreational market has to offer. The big question on everyone's lips after market potential, what happens to the already lucrative black market of master growers and sellers? I'm your host, Tanisha. Join me as we explore the value chain of this plant and dig deep into the big green rush. Meet Randy, a 30-year-old IT technician with aspirations of a property portfolio and a cut of that growing green pie. I've changed his name for both him and his loved one's protection. Randy is a new bud on an old tree, hoping that the black market will generate the capital he needs to expand his operations in a legal one. When did it dawn on you that this was a massive opportunity? Like, what was the, when was your light bulb moment? The fact is, I initially wanted to go into tomatoes, and upon research and 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 doing like all your analysis and those kind of stuff we found that this is actually a higher commodity so your interest in the agriculture sector was already there yes it was definitely there i was i was going into hydroponics because of the i believe it can solve world hunger (laughs) if just the right amount of money is pumped into this kind of thing because it's amazing what you can do if you can manipulate the environment and what we do in these little structures that we build is manipulate the environment. I was met with an immediate and potent smell as we approached a small greenhouse taking up most of Randy's backyard. This is where he began to grow food during his early entry into growing. It remains a vegetable and a herb garden, but shares its space with several different strains of what his operation gives the cannabis black market. Business operations have expanded to a top-secret location where harvests are producing around 5 kilograms of bud at a time. A tiny scale to production compared to rural areas in our country where acres and hectares carry the notorious and complex aromas of fresh ganja. He believes he has built the most cost-effective greenhouse on the market, using household fans for ventilation and circulation, fresh basil to deter pests, all housed in a space entirely covered with large sheets of plastic and erected using cheap wood and plastic pipes. So what was your first step? Um, research, obviously. Um, you know, you travel along the, along the roads and you see these, these structures on the side of the roads, these round little arched plastic structures, structures and you wonder what the hell that is, you know? And then you read up about it and you realize that, oh my word, you can actually do quite a bit in these things. Um, and that sparked a little bit of interest. And I was also looking for a little bit of a side buck and, and realized that I've got the capabilities. I'm not stupid, so I can learn this stuff and build it with my own hands and profit from it. That's basically what, what happened. A constitutional court ruling made way for private consumption and cultivation in 2018, giving people like Randy a chance at avoiding a jail sentence if there is no evidence of a sale. 
The exact quantities needed to suggest dealing is not legislated yet. So while Randy's small market are predominantly recreational smokers of marijuana, this current location also caters for medicinal requests. I'm amused to learn that his direct clients span across all age groups. Okay, when was the first time you had the biggest yield and I mean like, how did you feel when you cashed in on that yield? Look, uh, it's a very expensive, it's a very, very, very expensive uh, exercise running what we run. In fact, a lot of people may be shocked that you don't profit as much here. This is actually an honest man's business uh, because your, your profit margins aren't like extremely huge. It's the guy on the, the street that's selling to the consumer. Uh, the grower doesn't make a lot of money. The grower just makes a good living. That's all. Um, so you do break even though? You break even. You definitely break even. And you have a but little bit of But you're not about to, to drive a Ferrari I'm not about soon. to buy a Ferrari anytime soon. <laughs> not a chance, no. No. Um, yeah, I, I want to compete with, with Elon Musk, but now nah, I'm, I'm a, a few light years behind that guy, so to say. Um, yeah, but like it's, 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 it's really not that profitable. The guy on the street makes the most money. The guy who sells to... The guy who sells to the consumer, he's the one with the higher profit margins because he buys it from us at the and then he inflates his price to ridiculous amounts. The people I've spoken to say that it's quite pricey to get a license. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of red tape around that. Like you, the, one of the security standards is a double electric fence, and that already is a cost on its own. So, on the scale that we are on, uh, it makes it extremely difficult for us to apply for those kind of things because. Uh, your profit margins don't allow for you to, to, you know, apply for this kind of stuff. So we, we remain in the black market, yeah, newts. Um, there's newts in the bucket. There's newts somewhere in the bucket. What are newts? Nutrients. Oh. It's just a, it's just a feed that we put because we use a, we use a nutri, uh, nutrientless, what do you call this? Soil. Yeah. Um, there's no nutrient uh, like stuff in that soil. So we have to add, that's why it's called hydroponics. We add the nutrients into the water. That's like your normal stuff you get from picking That's what we feed it. Medicinal cannabis is where big capital is growing globally. And because it places cannabis under medical control laws, small-scale cultivators are unable to fit the bill for compliance. But with all this potential for inclusivity, the black market fears that a fully regulated industry will fail at including the established black market. Associate at Weber Wenzel Dira Pillay Lungumia says the current licensing process is onerous. As we see it, we think that there's two broad areas of opportunity so far in in the cannabis in South Africa. The first being um, CBD and the second being the cultivation of cannabis. But we see really the, the major limitation for cannabis companies being that there really are only two sectors or opportunities within which they can grow. And, and we think that the, the government really does need to deregulate cannabis and CBD to allow for a more sophisticated market to open in South Africa. Pele Lungumia says full regulation will have massive implications for the economy owing to cannabis's fast value chain. So in your view, what are the potential economic impacts on full regulation for medicinal and recreational use? The market potential is huge. Um, just some studies have indicated that South Africa is really quite a big black market producer of cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, and given the judgment that, that was handed down last year in September, we think that public perception has certainly shifted now that indiv- individuals can use cannabis for personal consumption in private. 
Um, and if we look to countries like Canada, which is now quite a mature market with an established regulatory regime, some some reports have indicated that the cannabis market has contributed as much as 8 billion rand towards the Canadian Canadian economy. And I think South Africa is particularly well placed because not only do we have market potential for quite a regulated and decriminalized industry in our country, both medicinally and recreationally, but we also have ideal conditions for growing cannabis. And we've seen some of our neighbors like Lesotho export large amounts of cannabis to countries like like Canada. So I think the economic opportunities can only be really excellent for South Africa. She believes because cannabis is a plant and not a manufactured product, there's massive opportunity for small businesses, but government will have to play its role. What do you think needs to happen in order to ensure that small producers um, and people more at the bottom of of the, the value chain, what should happen to ensure that the play field is even? I think that's a great question, uh, Tanisha, and I think that really does need to be addressed. I think certainly a big pharmaceuticals will see this as a to expand in, but I think the reason why cannabis can be treated quite differently, and I think the reason why it, it can still filter down to small businesses is because cannabis is really just a plant. Um, it's, it's not a product that's being produced that has you know, any trademarks related to it or anything like that. So it means that there's still scope for small business owners to be involved. But I think exactly like you said, to ensure that small business owners aren't locked out of this industry, I think there's a big role for government to play there. I think when government, during the course of this year, comes to grips with the cannabis bill, I think there's scope for them to ensure that there's local local product thresholds where there have to be local business owners that are involved so that we ensure that cannabis isn't just uh, an international industry. And finally, what are some of the opportunities in the cannabis value chain from a recreational, medicinal, overall well-being use? Unfortunately, entrepreneurs are quite hamstringed in, in that respect, in that they can only apply for cultivation licenses or they can only be involved in CBD. But I think South Africans are now wanting broader cannabis offerings. Um, I think I think we we wanting you know cannabis products um, that have you know that go anywhere from recreational use to assisting people to sleep to just general wellness. So I think the scope to create quite an advanced value chain certainly exists, especially if we look at countries like Canada, who've developed a whole supply chain that has contributed significantly to their economy. And I think it can only be as productive for South Africa. Research has proven that the holy herb has various health benefits and will never kill a soul. It is a major threat to drugs like opioids for pain relief and antidepressants which are proving to be on the wrong side of history. In 2007, researchers at California Pacific Medical Center in San Francisco reported that CBD may prevent cancer from spreading and if that is not enough, studies have shown that the holy herb also treats severe pain, epilepsy, Alzheimer's, arthritis, multiple sclerosis, soothes tremors for people with Parkinson's disease, decreases anxiety and even helps reverse the carcinogen effects of tobacco and improves lung health. Soweto may be home to Nobel Peace Prize laureates and scores of internationally acclaimed artists, but very few people know that it also produced South Africa's very own cannabis queen of the South. Dr. Tandeka Kunene, with her PhD in mathematics and a passion for Rastafari culture, became one of the first medicinal licensed producers of cannabis last year. Dr. Kunene, the humble beginnings of House of Hemp. Tell me about that. Where did it start? Our first shop was actually in my mother's garage in Soweto, Deep Kloof. 
Uh, but uh, the idea of House of Hemp, you know, actually came from a Tsotsi that I met in the corner when I was going to church. When I was 13, just before I turned 14, I was with my friends. We were coming from church and there were this bunch of guys in the corner smoking dope. And one of my friends, we were the nerds, the clever girls, the good girls. One of the girls said, oh, yeah, sis, hele rock, you know, daha. Yeah. And, and and I said, shh, these guys are really rough. Let's let's hurry up and go. Mm-hmm. I hope he didn't hear us. And the guy had heard. He says, yes, tell her to shut up because she's ignorant. She doesn't know this can make clothes and this can make cars. And I was hooked. Fast forward several years later, Kunene secures a research license for hemp and establishes House of Hemp, a small operation in the Joburg CBD where the city's cannabis culture found a home. In 2018, House of Hemp became the first medical licensed cannabis producer in South Africa and carried the prospects of a major investment from cannabis giant Canopy. Dr. Kunene's account of complying with the laws governing medicinal cultivation are a stark contrast to some of the black market's more simple operations. Look, the first one, we had the shop in uh, Gandhi Square. After the shop in Soweto, we graduated to the shop in Gandhi Square, where basically we're trying to create a market for cannabis products, you know. And we were saying, okay, fine, there's one bad use of cannabis, as everybody was saying at the time, is the smoking. We don't want drug addicts. But there's another 24,999 uses. What are we doing about it? What happens if in the future this was the norm? And can you imagine now we are in that future where that was the norm? So we were targeting strictly black people, the poor. Wake up, wake up, wake up. There's something in cannabis here. So that was the intention. Let's create the products. Let's create the market. And let's link the people, the products with the market. You know, that's why we had the shop. We were selling for SMMEs a long time ago. This is the 27th year, you know. We were selling to for SMMEs that were producing Endway. Endway is next to Queenstown. Epai, they were producing from Soweto. It was very interesting. Our first group of SMMEs were 27 SMMEs. Sadly, when we closed the shop in Gandhi Square, because the research project had finished, 26 of the 27 SMMEs collapsed. We were the 27th one. We were the only one that didn't collapse. Oh, plus one other SMME that was uh, doing a men's uh, wear. So it's like, Panzula-like. Yeah. He survived the market. Everyone else didn't survive because they were depended on someone helping them with the marketing. That's so crucial. If we want to remove poverty through entrepreneurship, we have to secure the markets. People can't all reach Canada and maybe can't even negotiate when they reach Canada. But the market is there, and South Africa can be a giant cannabis uh, brand. I believe so. The medical uh, cannabis in South Africa, it's legal. So we give thanks to our government that set up a new industry. But the, 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 the conditions are very, very stringent. The first things that uh, we were helped with was that we were renting a government facility that is in a special security zone at Dubai Trade Port, Dubai Agri Zone. Okay, like it's it's an ideal uh, greenhouse, not necessarily for, I mean, when I say ideal, state of the art, not necessarily ideal for cannabis, but ideal uh, is in state of the art green, greenhouse with heightened security. You know, we've got like four security points before you reach us and the 24 hour and the police come it's a special and these are one of the requirements the requirements is that you have to be very strong in security that's your first requirement 
because high THC, a active a pharmaceutical ingredient, lots of money. Okay, we're looking at anything from five thousand dollars a kilo. So if you just just nip one kilo, that's fifty more than seventy five thousand rands today. And wow. obviously, you'd want to nip uh, if you were that way inclined. Uh, we work ourselves out of poverty. We don't steal. But those who were frustrated by poverty and opted for stealing, then just go and hit 10 kilograms of that. You understand? That is 750,000. It's a, it's a lot of money. So the security is high. And part of the security outside of the value, government couldn't be too bothered about the value of the product, is that it's an active pharmaceutical ingredient which must be kept under lock and stock and barrel because if you took your finger, dipped it in a, a THC isolate or took a powder on your fingertips and ate it, you'd probably get into a shock because it's 99% isolate. The normal uh, plant that you smoke, the highest that the human mind has been known to tolerate is 36%. Mixed with other things. Can you imagine now, take that At 33% and multiply almost by three. That would really, really get... A, look, cannabis has never killed anybody. But uh, those days when they were using it, when it wasn't killing anybody, they were not consuming it at isolate. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, they were not consuming. They were consuming it at, normally it was between 10% and 25%. The, between 25 and 36 is this new breed of higher grades that we're trying to push up the THC uh, licensing. So it's security and then it's a safety of the medicine. Okay, one, security to keep people out. Two, safety of the medicine. And then contamination issues. They look a lot at the combination issues. And then your methodology. What are you trying to do? How are you going to do it? And the killer of it is this thing called site master file. The site master file, you have to detail everything. It's the, 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 the laws of the licensing of cannabis in South Africa are pharmaceutical laws. There's a lot of of conditions you're not allowed to advertise that you say i'm a producer of cannabis this moment because we are cleaning up we're setting up we can talk about it in an interview like this but you can't put a placard and say come here come here come here here's producer of medicine mm -hmm. and there's very stringent rules uh, rules about how you handle medicine how you store it how you with cannabis in particular the cross-contamination and the cross-pollination would be an issue the toxins what toxins what do you put in there by right, pharmaceuticals should be from agriculture, should be pure, pure, pure organic, what we Rastas call uh, ITAL. You know, where everything is 100% pure. That's what, uh, if you're going to produce an active pharmaceutical ingredient, ingredient of that concentration, you should make sure there's no uh, toxins in there because then the toxins would double as you remove uh, the non-medicine. Uh, during uh, the process. During the process. So that's what they look. They look at the security. Then they look at your team. Do you have team members who are cannabis criminals who are any type of criminals? If you are any type of criminal, it's off. We obviously want to negotiate with government. Um, it's not there now, but there's a space to negotiate with government for indigenous knowledge holders because they practically almost all the Rastas, the Hindus who have a once a puff a year in the uh, uh, festival of, of, of Lord Shiva, uh, the God who created cannabis, and, uh, and the Rastas who pray the God who uh, emancipated cannabis. 
uh, they are then considered to be all criminals because they, they, they've used it while it was unlawful. You know, so it means you won't get a chance to actually apply for a license because you've got a criminal uh, offense. But I did hear government say it's open for us to negotiate uh, the indigenous knowledge holders to negotiate where, you know, if you had been arrested for possession of cannabis, it's a different, uh, I, I suppose, uh, no, not suppose really, it's a different criminal offense than uh, when you've been held trafficking humans you know so Absolutely. i think they, they they want to make that distinction inclusion takes center stage in our next episode where we discover more from the experiences of people like dr kunene experts on the cannabis economy and another insightful journey into the life of an informal street dealer i'm your host tunisia thank you to my co-producers kg and kg for making episode one possible